travel writer Dave Seminar is here to tell us about the one-of-a-kind culture you find among the Basques in their corner of Spain and France. However, some Basque country traditions he's encountered go back centuries and require a little explaining for outsiders to understand. Dave writes about his Basque country surprises in his book called Bed, Breakfast, and Drunken Threats. He joins us now from his home base in Bend, Oregon. Dave, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me, Rick. So, Dave, tell us about your time in Basque country. What did you do there and why did you go? I've been to the Basque country. I keep returning to the Basque country over the years, Rick, because I really think it is one of the most evocative parts of Europe. It's a place where the culture is just so strong. I mean, I love doing non-traditional touristy things, backdoor sort of activities, the kind of stuff you've been writing about your whole career, stuff that isn't in the travel magazines. And the Basques sort of really excel in this, Mm. non-traditional activities that really showcase their culture, the food, the sports, the unique festivals. Mm. I mean, this is something that the Basques really excel on, and that's what keeps me coming back to the Basque region. So I mentioned you saw some sports then. Talk about some of the strongman sports you found in the countryside. So there's a, there's a whole group of Basque rural sports, and these are sports that developed not as initially as athletic endeavors, but as things that actual Basque farmers needed to do as part of their ordinary lifestyle. And the one that I got interested in was called stone lifting. Basque farms tended to be very rocky and filled with stones. So Basque farmers, in order to farm, needed to lift these big, heavy rocks. And this sort of evolved slowly over the period of about 100 years into an actual sport. And I heard about an unusual museum in a lovely little Basque village called Leitza, which is about an hour south of San Sebastian. It's technically in Navarra outside the Basque country, but it's ethnically Basque, where there's this super interesting museum and sculpture garden devoted to stone lifting. And I thought, that's a very peculiar thing, and I have to see it. Let's check this out. And the gentleman who founded this museum and sculpture garden Mm -hmm. His name is Inyaki Perurena, and he's considered sort of the Michael Jordan of Basque stone lifting. This is the first gentleman to ever lift a stone of more than 300 kilos, which is almost 700 pounds, Rick. Hmm. And this guy's vision was he wanted to educate the whole world about what this Basque stone lifting was all about. So he bought this beautiful farm, which is up on this hill, and created these fantastic sculptures of stone lifting and different elements of Basque culture in a museum inside dedicated to this sport. And he himself will actually, he owns a butcher shop in the village, he and his family. And tourists who who are willing to pay four euros and who are interested in this, he'll actually pick you up in the town and he drives you out to his farm. He just picks you up. And he gives you a personal tour. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He (laughs) he throws you over his shoulder. He could. He's that burly, this guy. Carry me up to your farm. Okay. He's this burly, this guy. And is the stone chained with a stick on the top so you can get a grip on it? or, Or how do they lift the stone? The stones are actually cut into, nowadays, you know, 100 years ago, these would just be rocks that people would pick up off the ground that would be on a farm. Okay, but these are uniform manufactured Exactly. These are manufactured ones. Now, they do not have a handle on them, and there's different disciplines. Some of them are big round ones. Some of them are Mm -hmm. square. There's different sizes, and there's different disciplines. Some of them involve, you know, just lifting the heaviest one you can. Mm -hmm. In other cases, it's lifting it with one hand. In other cases, it's how many times can you lift this thing in a certain period of time. Like this gentleman, for example, once lifted a 212-pound stone 1,700 times in a period of nine hours. Jeez. When I was yes. in Basque country, Dave, I was uh, impressed by 
this pelota game, and people were playing, uh, hitting the ball against just a wall in every town right. in the main square. You could sit there and have your, your coffee or your beer, and you could watch the, uh, the young guys uh, hitting the ball. This is the national sport of the Basque country, and you can find this you know, in almost any town or village, you know, right on the main streets. I mean, for example, when you're in San Sebastian, right off of the main pedestrian drag there, 31 de Agosto, there is a pelota court there, and you'll see tournaments there all the time involving, you know, not just children, but even sometimes uh, senior citizens and everybody. Pelota is really the, that is the Basque game. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Dave Seminar. His book is Bed, Breakfast, and Drunken Threats, Dispatches from the Margins of Europe. And the margin of Europe we're talking right now is Basque country. And we're talking about traditions that are unique to Basque country, the Basque people, and how they're dealing with the rising tide of modernity. Dave, you write about the Day of the Goose in a sport called goose pulling. Can you describe that to us and how it's faring in, in the modern age? Yes, I heard about this tradition, Rick, that happens every year on the 5th of September since at least the year 1666 in the Basque fishing village of Lecatio, which is a lovely town on the Bay of Biscay, let's say about an hour west of San Sebastian. But this Day of the Goose is it's part of a nine-day-long festival called the Festival of San Antolin. And it's a very peculiar festival in which basically people gather on wooden boats in the harbor and jump off of a boat onto a goose which is hanging from a rope. And you've got 20 guys on the quay pulling this rope up and down, sort of like a yo-yo, where you're catapulted up and down in the air like a yo-yo, up to 100 feet in the air. And while you're being catapulted up and down like that, the person who's jumped off this boat, the goose jumper, the goal is to snap the neck of the goose off of the body of it. So you've got 20 guys on the quay of the harbor, okay, pulling a rope through a pulley in order to basically yank you up and down while you're trying to, making it more difficult, basically, for you to try to snap the neck of this goose. And they're catapulting you up and down, in and out of the water, up to 100 feet in the air, five, six stories high. You're kidding. I've never heard it. No. Now, Now, this has changed a lot over the years, though, Rick. Prior to 2005, they actually used live geese. And, you know, animal rights groups, obviously, for obvious reasons, not too happy about that. I was there in 2013, and by this point, they were using dead geese. But nowadays, they are giving people the option of either using an artificial goose or a real one. And in recent years, more and more people are choosing the artificial one. So you can break the neck of an artificial goose. That's correct. And these artificial geese were created specifically for this festival. (laughs) That's Uh, a souvenir I want to take home, an artificial goose from Laketia. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Dave Seminara. His book is Bed, Breakfast, and Drunken Threats. We're talking about Basque Country. And and when I think of Basque Country, I think of these gastronomic clubs in San Sebastian. And it's a, a an amazing tradition where the men, I guess that the woman rules the house. And, and the one domain for the men is they have these private clubs where they get together and they cook. How's that doing? Can, as a traveler, can you see that? And is it changing in modern times? Yes, you can see that. And yes, it is changing with modern times, Rick. As you point out, Basque women uh, rule the house, and Basque men have usually had these sort of refuges. These are considered refuges where men can go and sort of be men. But it's not all about machismo. What I found interesting in the club that I visited, I visited a club called Kanoyetan, which is one of the oldest um, Basque gastronomical societies, and it's located 
It's hidden right in plain sight, right off of the main street in San Sebastian, the main pedestrian street, but you wouldn't even know that. You'd walk right by the place without knowing what was there. There's no televisions, for example, so guys aren't in there watching TV. You know, it's not like a sports bar. It's all about cooking and about food and about sharing recipes and sharing sort of camaraderie. Hmm. But they are changing. I mean, in this club, for example, that I had a chance to get to know people at, they used to not allow women to step foot in the door, period, not at all. And now they do allow women on certain nights of the week. I believe it's Friday nights women are allowed to come in as guests. They still cannot be members. But the one thing that they're never allowed to do is to enter the kitchen. Keep out of the kitchen. Wow. So the kitchen's sacred for the men only. Right. I want to point out also you asked, are these things available to tourists? Generally, these gastronomic societies are really only for locals, Rick. You kind of need an invite. However... There is one company called Eat San Sebastian, which I discovered. I did not go on their tour, but I discovered after visiting myself that they actually do a tour of a gastronomic society. Hmm. So they are opening up a little bit, but the woman who runs this um, Eat San Sebastian, she said it's extremely difficult because, you know, one week they'll let her and her tour group in, and then the next week they'll Mm -hmm. say, you know what, someone complained last week. One of the guys didn't like the fact that there were women in the tour group, and we're not going to let you in. If you ask the owner of wherever you're staying, if they're a local Basque person, hey, I'd really like to get an inn at a gastronomic society. That's Can you, you help me? So this, the guy who ran the bed and breakfast we stayed at the last time we were in the Basque country, I said, hey, I really would like to visit one of these places. Can you help me? And he said, mm, probably not, but I'll ask around. And the next day, sure enough, he said, you know what? I talked to my wife and she plays violin with a woman whose husband is the president of Kana Yetan, and be there at 6 o'clock tonight. They're going to welcome you. And that's kind of how things work Wow. Sometimes. And how was your time there? It was fascinating because, first of all, they, they told us all about sort of their culture and the way that it works. All a complete honor system, Rick, which I love. They have a box in the kitchen where any of the male members, they each have their own key to the place. And you go in, you cook for yourself, and you, you're supposed to check the boxes of what you ate, what you drank, whatever, and put your money into the box and everything is is very codified in a certain way. Things are done have been done the same way for decades and really centuries. And they're so they're so proud of their club. I mean, it's such an important mm. part of their culture and their lives. It's not just about eating. It's really much more than that. Dave Seminara, thanks for uh, sharing your your discoveries and sharing lots of discoveries in your book Bed Breakfast and Drunken Threats. Let's just close it out with your favorite food memory when you were in Basque Country. Uh, what what do you recall? That makes you almost want to travel all the way back there to eat it again. I love just coming in and out of uh, the 31-day Agosto uh, Street in San Sebastian, coming in and out of the Pincho Bars, and I love ordering the gambas, which are the spicy mm. shrimp that they, they serve it to you on a, on a thinly sliced baguette mm. with a little bit of sort of garlic and tomato sauce, and it's a little bit spicy, and you have it with some nice white wine. And anywhere in Spain, we have the tapas bars. And in uh, Basque Country, the tapas bars are called pinchos, right? That's correct, pincho bars. And one thing I'll leave you with, Rick, on this thought is on Thursday nights in San Sebastian, in the Gross neighborhood, which is just to the east of the old town on Mm -hmm. Thursday nights, it's two euro pincho night. Most of the pincho bars in this neighborhood will give you a glass of wine or a beer for two euros or any pincho you like for two euros. And it's an amazing Thursday night out in San Sebastian. Thursday night in Basque Country with Dave Seminara. Dave, thanks so much and best wishes. Happy travels. Thank you very much, Rick. Rick Steves teaches smart European travel. 
At ricksteves.com, you'll find an archive of interviews from his radio show, free audio tours of Europe's top sites, and a world of information to help turn your travel dreams into smooth and affordable reality. Begin your next trip at ricksteves.com.